Ladies, we all have different symptoms that time of the month. For me, my energy level happens to just dip insanely and I just feel a little down, you know, a little sluggish. And so I'm happy to share Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, and they are dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And so here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So, Hormone Harmony is for any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances, and it's perfect for symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep, and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas when you have no desire to get in bed next to someone if you know what I mean, and also hot flashes and night sweats if you happen to be going through menopause. It's really great for women with menopause. So yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things and for a limited time you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code MAGIC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code magic for 15% off today. Your hormones will thank you. I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, Medics. Thrive Cosmetics and Bigger Than Beauty skincare are not just makeup brands, they're a whole vibe. They're all about empowering us to rock our confidence, and when you support them, we are helping other communities thrive. Their stuff is not only easy to use, but no nasties, zero parabens, sulfites, phthalates. They are 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Let's talk lashes. Thanks to Thrive's liquid lash extensions, I must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush. It adds lengths. There are no clumps. And also, guess what? It slides right off with warm water. So no raccoon eyes here. And I appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier-looking lashes over time. And it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Oh, 
Hello, magical friends. I'm Ali Michelle. And I'm Raquel Mantra. And welcome to Your Own Magic Podcast. Our intention is to connect you with the most inspiring thought leaders and visionaries and share some of our experiences and wisdom to help you unleash your own magic. Yes, we're so grateful you're spending this present moment with us today. Realizing that you were brought here for a specific purpose and Everything that has happened to you has been a lesson for you to take that step towards your dharma. And when you can leave the victimhood, the blame mentality, the my parents didn't let me do this, and instead you thank every single opportunity and obstacle that you have faced from giving you the strength that you need to fully step up into your power, then life changes. Now let the magic begin. Hello, soul tribe and yomis and magic tribers, and cheers to all the lovely names that you've created along this journey of ours. It's Raquel here, by the way, and I am looking forward to you soaking up the magnetic and soulful wisdom of today's guests, in which I foresee many of you becoming ancient healing practitioners if you're not already, whether that be a professional practitioner, which would be super cool, or just for your own personal at-home implementation like myself. Just a prediction, just a prediction. And I am speaking with the one and only Sahara Rose, all about your doshas, your dharma, your kriya, your karma, and Ayurveda. I I did not pronounce Ayurveda to emphasize its power, though it is one of the most powerful ancient healing systems. I I need to pronounce it slowly because for whatever reason, (laughs) this word is a tongue twister for me. And though I've read it about 1.8 million times. My Yuton tongue seems to struggle, and this Yuton tongue also pronounced Sahara, Sahara for most of the podcast. Like the Sahara Desert. That's how I've always pronounced it. But she pronounces it a little more poetically improper, I realize. So I do think I corrected myself with her pronunciation for Sahara. I believe I finally caught on towards the end. We'll see. But I I don't think I really caught on with Ayurveda so much. <laughs> and if you want, you can make a drinking game out of it. Feel free to how many times I mispronounce Ayurveda. By all means, go for it, actually. But make it kombucha, guys. One, I know some of you are underage. Two, because if you choose anything else, I, I don't know if you'd be quite coherent enough to make it through the entire episode. <laughs> Just saying. Also, those of you in the Your Own Magic Facebook group, I freaking love you. I've been connecting on a deeper level with many of you. You're so fun and so wise and curious and soulful. So thank you so much for being there to help others in need. And thank you for also being so vulnerable about everything you feel that it's hard to share with those around you. I get that. And so we get you. We so get you. We get each other. This tribe is ride or die. And I feel like we really are just connected together as one. And I have 
been even more active than normal in the group for many reasons, but what really triggered it, and I have to share this, was a dream that I had about a week ago, and I was getting charged by this pack of wolves, but for whatever reason, I was not frightened. I felt fine, and then my soul leapt out of my body, and as I was astral projecting, I was witnessing from a bird's eye view the wolves collectively gathering around to form a filled heart shape, and then when my soul came down, back down, I was one of the wolves, and when I woke up, I started journaling about it, and what came to mind was you guys, and I was like, Yo, I am part of a powerful pack of wolves, the soul tribe, the yomis, the magic tribers, and it's incredible and it's empowering and it's unparalleled. So thank you so much and your questions and your personal issues and your blogs, your poetry, your videos, all of it has been collected in my heart and whoa, whoa, whoa. By the way, guys, it's 11-11 right now. I'm just saying, I'm not to freak out, but whoa. Okay, anyways, all of this has been collected in my heart and I decided to start highlighting some of your creations weekly on the website, which is seen by tens of thousands. And I have amazing people who have submitted from bloggers, sharing from their personal blogs, which I'll post and then link, post their blog and then link to their blog and an astrology expert and poet and I just I want to highlight as many of you as I can so maybe I'll do two to three a week for now until I have more efficient a more efficient system in place and I too will blog and share more too like recently I did share a poem on the Facebook group uh, that came to me moments after I heard the tragic news about America's beloved Anthony Bourdain and Though I didn't watch much of his shows, it still broke my heart. And to hear about Kate Spade, too, like this is something that it it hits home because growing up, someone closest to me was threatening to take her life a multitude of times and that definitely took toll. And then cousins taking their life, my closest aunt and my grandma before I was born, which sucks because I want to meet her in this human suit, but we'll meet again someday. And she was also an activist to stop slavery. So she was kind of a badass. Um, but recently it was reported that in Utah, where I'm from, suicide is the leading cause of death ages 11 to 17. And that breaks my heart because I know many of you are in high school. (sighs) That kills me. And I even got emails from middle schoolers struggling with feeling unseen, feeling like an outlier. They're depressed and alone. (laughs) And that kills me, truly. I'm sitting right now with stitches of pain in my heart thinking about it because I, I was also really sad and alone in grade school. And though I wasn't suicidal... I did do things to myself to numb the pain physically and mentally and emotionally. And it's it's something that I look back on today over a decade later and I still hold this pain inside that I even had experienced that because there's so much that I blocked for me to have a brighter future. And I want 
I really want everybody that's struggling with this to unblock that, to step into their power and to tell somebody and share with someone. So I did post a poem about it in the Facebook group. And if you find it, because it might be buried now, I don't know, but feel free to share it with your soul or whoever may needs to feel less alone right now for their soul. Oh, man. And I'm also really happy that many of you are posting videos and comments about your transformative experiences with the meditative imaginings on the Soul Tribe exclusive site. So cool. And I'm so thankful for your feedback. It even gave me, honestly, thanks to you, it gave me a deeper sense of purpose and it fueled me like I have every fiber of my being to thank you for because I realized the unique power these meditations hold in not just a space to guide you through a meditation, but to guide your subconscious mind and soul and to lead you through these imaginings while you're in a meditative or maybe even a hypnotic state, depending on how deep you go, that help you not only hear yourself, but really feel yourself so you can really feel or see with images what you need to know, what messages need to be delivered. And when you awaken, a spark, a new sense of creativity comes in a greater purpose and a feeling of ease. And that's what I realize these meditative imaginings gift you, especially in a time where it seems we're all cosmically guided to search for a way to share our own voice and receive the inspiration from others and also give inspiration to others and know what we're being guided to do know what be more clear of our dharma which sahara will talk about and they may even bring up memories that you have suppressed over the years and they whatever you're suppressing might create those blocks that make you feel less than anybody else or alone or sad or just not in your power in some way inferior in some way and then in these imaginings they might be brought into your awareness so you can finally heal and let them go whether you're in that state or it might trickle on later while you're awake it's like the universe is giving you during these imaginings it's kind of like messages might be coming to you Um, you might be having flashbacks of your childhood to remind you of who you truly are. For example, shout out to a recent post from Katie Surbeck, who said, and by the way, I love Katie. She's so active in the Facebook group. I see her posting all the time. And so Katie, thank you so much for really being there for the tribe. And this is what Katie said. Raquel Mantra's new meditative imagining titled Inner Child really struck me and couldn't have come at a better time. I was very intuitive as a child. I seemed to know things before anyone else. One example was in the first grade. A family friend who was in high school at the time wouldn't stop pestering me to teach me to ride a bike and I felt so scared at the thought I had huge fits when it was brought up. My parents were annoyed that I was being so dramatic about it, but he never taught me to ride a bike. And yesterday he was arrested for sexual misconduct with a child and he's been doing it for years and years and my intuition was so pure so strong growing up 
I always listen to it without fail and I did not question my own inner being and I just can't wait to tap back into that power and fully trust myself again. Thank you, Raquel. I love you. I love you, Katie. Who would have thought that the universe gave her that little reminder of how powerful and intuitive she is in her purest source? So I hope that you have tapped back into that and that just fills me with golden joy. I hope that everybody else considers trying some of these meditative imaginings too. And they're on yourownmagic.life. And I believe you just need to log into the Soul Tribe exclusive site. And they're there. And last thing I do want to begin highlighting is a new series called The Yomis of the Week. Highlighting some recent reviews. Here is an amazing one from Angela. As a small business owner, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Euromagic is my ground down dessert podcast. Thanks for keeping me balanced, ladies. Uh, I bet Ali will love that too. And I love this being called a dessert podcast. <laughs> Yummy, delicious. And then Lacey, Lacey, it's spelled L-E-A-C-Y. So cute. Anyways, I followed you girls on Instagram for a while. And just a couple months ago, I began listening to this podcast as I go along my spiritual journey. Your podcasts and guest speakers have benefited me in many ways, mentally, emotionally, dot, 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 spiritually. I love how real you girls are. I love knowing that there are others like me out there on their own crazy journey. I appreciate you girls and every person I've heard on your podcast. Please keep being you, which I know you will. Heart. Much love from Annalise on Maui. Ah, Annalise. Thank you so much. And I'm sure Ali will appreciate it too. And that's awesome. You've been following us on Instagram for so long. Allie, everybody, if you, which I'm sure everybody is, but if you aren't following her, she has the most beautiful Instagram, Allie Michelle L. Don't forget the L. And then mine is Raquel Mantra. And I haven't posted in a while, but I do feel it coming on soon that I'm going to post again. Man, it's been months, but it's actually been freeing to not post for a while. But when I finally get that thumbs up, that ping from the universe that I'm ready, I will get back on there because it is a beautiful platform to connect with others. But right now I love connecting on the Facebook Your Own Magic group. I'd also love to share your review with listeners. So feel free to rate and review the podcast and maybe you'll be the Yomi of the week. And later you'll also hear about the Hum Nutrition $150 giveaway, which you're automatically submitted for when you rate and review. So anyways, now it's time to talk doshas and dharma and I, your beta, I hope I said that right, with Sahara Rose. Hello, Soul Tribe. So, I have been rekindling my fascination for the ancient healing system of Ayurveda for a while, and I had I have been reading a bit about it here and there for years, but I've never dived into the whole of the system after I was honestly turned off by older traditional principles that just didn't resonate with me. However, 
When I recently started listening to Sahara Rose bridge this ancient Eastern healing and spiritual wisdom with the likes of Western nutritional science and psychology, I began to become more interested in something that I intuitively know is best for aligning my body and my mind and what my soul really desires a dietary and lifestyle practice that I know will help me stay connected to, well, me, (laughs) the core of me. And food plays a major role in being connected to our inner guide. But Ayurveda is more than just food, and Sahara will get into that. So the Euromagic guest today, I just said her name, has so eloquently articulated the power of Ayurveda for me, something that I I can actually connect to coming from the Western world, and I am beyond excited and grateful to chat with her, Sahara Rose. And if you're unfamiliar with Sahara's work, she quickly became a leader in the healing system after she wrote the internationally best-selling book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. I love that name. And she is also the founder of Eat, Feel Fresh and hosts the top-rated spiritual podcast, Highest Self. You must listen to that. And many of you know I prefer a fully plant-based diet. However, many Ayurvedic recipes include dairy, and that's another reason why it's a little turned off to it. So Sahara's next book will probably be my food Bible titled Eat, Feel Fresh, a plant-based contemporary Ayurvedic cookbook, which will be available this October. Oh, it's so, that's too far away. It needs to happen now. It needs to be in my hands today. It needs to be in my hands yesterday. Anyways. Oh, and I must mention that her friend, which you might probably know, you might be familiar with his name, um, Deepak Chopra, referred to Sahara as a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift. No big deal. No big deal. So here today to help you get familiar with your doshas and your dharma, Sahara Rose. Welcome, Sahara. Wow. What an introduction. Can I just like carry you around everywhere with me? That was amazing. <laughs> You're Sahara's spokes girl right here. Of course. Yes. Please. You it. have another another job if you decide to ever leave this podcast. <laughs> Well, uh, your intro was well-deserved. I was very enthusiastic about writing it out for everyone to know because you're amazing. And also, so I believe that we, you and I, were put on this planet for pretty much the same thing in certain ways. There's a headline on your site that says, I was put on this planet to help people wake up to their own magic. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. (laughs) Hence the title of this podcast. And then I continue to read your story. And I was floored with how much I could relate to you. And I took this as a sign. It was a little nudge from the universe to not only listen to the guidance of your wisdom in regards to learning more about Ayurveda, but I wanted to talk to you to hear your story from your voice in your own words. So what prompted you to begin a journey of health and wellness and ultimately Ayurveda? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what Ayurveda is, Ayurveda is the world's- Wait, am I mm-hmm. pronouncing it wrong? It's Ayurveda. Ayurveda. So like Ayur, and it means the knowledge of life. So Ayur, life, Veda, knowledge. So Ayurveda in Hindi, it's Ayurveda because you pronounce Vs like Ws. 
Mm, Ayurveda. Ayurveda, yes. So um, Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system. It originated in ancient India over 5,000 years ago, and it is the sister science of yoga. So a lot of you guys practice yoga to get more flexible or more balanced or help with your anxiety and all these physical and mental issues. But actually, what you are practicing is Ayurveda. Because Ayurveda is the science of balancing the mind and the body, and it's the predecessor to yoga. The word yoga in Sanskrit means to yoke, to become one with Brahma, universal source consciousness. So when you are practicing yoga, really, the word asana, we think it means physical posture, but actually it means to sit in stillness. And we do these physical postures so we can sit in stillness and meditate, and that meditation becoming one with source is the yoga. So yoga is inherently a spiritual practice. Now, Ayurveda said, if your digestion is out of whack and you're anxious and you have a headache and you feel like your hamstrings really hurt, whatever the issue is, how are you going to become one with source? You know, you're so stuck in your head, you're stuck in your body, you're never going to be able to transcend the two. So Ayurveda said, how can we rebalance the mind and the body, but taking a further look into different people, you know, we all have a friend, one friend eats paleo and they're thriving, another friend is vegan and they're okay, and one person eats cheese and one doesn't, and you know, we've noticed that different diets work for different people. And Ayurveda noticed this over 5,000 years ago, and they broke it down into three major archetypes, vata, pitta, and kapha, which I'll talk all about. But just so people know before I kind of tell my story, so they're like, what the hell is Ayurveda? Because for most people, people, yeah, yeah, I mean, for most people, my book and my work was their first introduction to it, which makes me so, so happy. Because Ayurveda is something you could spend a lifetime studying and still never, never know everything of. But you But that has prevented a lot of people from getting into it, just how complicated it is. And I just want people to know that you're already practicing it. If you're doing anything, if you're going to yoga for physical, mental reasons, you're practicing Ayurveda. If you tongue scrape, dry brush, oil pull, neti pot, all of these practices are Ayurvedic practices. If you take herbs to heal your body, herbology comes from Ayurveda. If you even practice traditional Chinese medicine, TCM was learned in year 600 AD in Northern India, moved through the Silk Road to China, became traditional Chinese medicine, and they changed the elements. They created wood and metal. But it's the basis of Ayurveda. Continue to move to macrobiotics. So if you ever eat a macrobiotic bowl, that's Ayurvedic roots. We always think the first surgeries ever were from ancient Egypt, Egypt, but the first surgeries ever were actually Ayurvedic. They call treatment chichitsa. And that also moved through the Silk Road to Egypt. And since we just have so much more historical information about Egypt, we kind of give them credit for the first ever surgeries, but that was also an Ayurvedic practice. It moved up through the Silk Road to um, Greece, where it became something called materias medicas, which became the Western medical system, which through the battles with Rome became, you know, the Roman medical system. So Every healing wisdom that is connected to Asia and Europe has Ayurvedic roots. And the amazing thing is then when you look at places like Africa and South America that are not connected to Ayurveda, they're all saying the same thing, that you have to connect with the elements. You have to look around you, you know, see what's growing locally, seasonally, and that's going to tell you what's going on. And listen to your body and know that your body is reflecting what's going on in your mind and your mind is reflecting what's going on in your body. 
So it's less intimidating than I figured. Right. Because we think, you know, I, so when I first heard of Ayurveda, I thought it was like a massage. I thought it was like this like weird practice. I never took it seriously. So my background was as a kid, I was really overweight. And when I was, you know, about 12 years old, I became self-conscious of my weight and I had really bad allergies. I had asthma. I had all of these issues, which now I can classify as kapha. I had a lot of kapha when I was a kid. So when I was 12 years old to try to lose weight and like fit in and look comfortable in my body, I, I read in Cosmopolitan Magazine, the best source of information ever, <laughs> that, um, that Jennifer Aniston does hot yoga. and That's how she looks so good. I was like, I would love to look like Rachel from Friends. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go. And again, you know, this was before yoga was a thing. There were a few yoga studios, but it wasn't a popular thing. So I like begged my mom after school to drop me off at like this hot yoga studio prana power yoga in newton massachusetts if you ever want to go and i went and i had no idea what to expect i'm wearing you know my little juicy couture jumpsuit and it gets super (laughs) hot and everyone's doing like choreography and i have no idea what's going on and i'm just moving i'm sweating i'm feeling my body and crying and for the first time i actually felt connected to my body and I wasn't trying to escape my body. I wasn't trying to, you know, change it into something, but I was actually going deeper into it. So from that practice, I, I started to go deeper into what else does yoga include? And I started to read books, people like Deepak Chopra. I started to read all sorts of spirituality and that kind of kicked off my, my spiritual journey. So pretty young. Um, And then that continued, continued. I was volunteering, traveling. I've lived in so many countries doing NGO work, healing work, realizing that the closer you were to nature, the healthier that you were. So I was, you know, working in rice fields in Thailand and and working with farms in Peru and all sorts of things and noticing just how similar all of these healing systems were. And then from all of this learning, I decided to become a raw vegan because I had read so much being raw is so good for you. Raw foods are the best. So I became a raw vegan. And at first I was super happy about it. I felt really energized. But after about eight months, I started to realize I would, you know, be in the yoga class and every time it was like a, like a chaturanga and you came up, I would, my head was spinning and I was going to faint and my blood sugar level would drop. And when I would brush my hair, handfuls of hair, like my brush was just full of hair coming out. I was so cold all the time. And I grew up in Boston, like I'm used to very cold weather, but this was like another level of cold that I like couldn't sleep. I'm just straight up shivering to my bones and no amount of wool socks and sweaters and anything can make me better. And, you know, I just posted a picture of what I looked like for the first time ever on Instagram today, which was like, oh my God, I did that today. Yeah. Just owning the story. So you can see I was, you know, 88 pounds. I looked like a ghost of myself. I had lost what in Ayurveda is called Ojas, your radiant life force. And people would come up to me and be like, girl, like you don't look well. And I thought either they don't understand I'm a raw vegan or just get really shameful and hurtful. And I had had like years before, like when I was like a freshman in college, like eating disorders, but 
I think having an eating disorder messes with your digestive system a lot. So then when I started to eat food again, then my body like couldn't handle anything. So then I would eat all of this food and I wasn't digesting anything. So, I mean, I've, I know you're friends with like fully raw Christina. You see raw people eat a lot of food. But for, <laughs> she eats. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to. But for me, it it was just not digesting. And I was so constipated, such bad bloating, gas, every vata imbalance you can imagine. And on top of that, I didn't get my period for two years. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, so obviously something's going on, um, but I tried to kind of like, ignore it, hide it. I'd go on these raw vegan forums and I'd be like, is it normal to not have your period? They're like, it's a sign that you're like super cleansed. You're like at the ultimate level of cleansing, cleansingness <laughs> tribes in Africa. And then I was like, yeah, it's okay. So I was like stuck between like my parents being like, oh my God, you need to go to a hospital versus like, well, maybe this Western. So I didn't really know what to listen to. Um, but I tried, I got so many blood tests. I went to so many doctors. They basically said you have amenorrhea, which means you're not getting your period and it's hypothalamic, which means it's coming from your brain. For some reason, your brain is telling your body to not have your period. We don't know why. And then I had IBSC, which is basically irritable bowel syndrome, constipated. Um, so I wasn't digesting food and my body was essentially shutting down. So Mm -hmm. at this time I was volunteering in India, not for Ayurveda, just because I was volunteering. I was actually teaching health and sanitation in the slums of Delhi. I've always been a a big volunteer, especially with NGOs. So while I was there, I decided that I would visit an Ayurvedic doctor just to see what this person had to say. I mean, I had tried everything at this point. And like yourself, I was very, you know, hesitant about it. I felt like it was just this sort of like archaic practice that doesn't make sense for today's world. But, you know, I was like, you know, it's like an astrologer or something like, who knows, maybe she'll say something good. (laughs) And and the moment she saw me, she's like, Beta, you too pretty to never have a baby. And without Mm -hmm. me telling her anything, she knew that I was obviously infertile at that time. Um, She knew that my hormone levels were at zero. And when I say zero, literally I got a blood test and I had zero estrogen and zero testosterone. Nope, no hormones at all in my body. And, um, And I was at, so I had gone through perimenopause when I was 21 years old and my body was shutting down and I was at risk of getting osteoporosis, which is what happens when you don't have estrogen in your body and Alzheimer's, which is what happens when you're not getting nutrients to your brain. So I was like, okay, well, that's pretty real stuff that I'm dealing with now. Didn't realize it was, you know, this bad. So what do I do? And she's like, well, you have to eat the ghee and the rice and the mung dal and kichari for the rest of your life. Like basically (laughs) forever eat only very severely cooked Indian food with a lot of ghee. So I was like, uh, no, especially because I'm a raw vegan and this is like the polar opposite diet. And she gave me all these herbs and spices, which I had never heard of. And I was like, how am I going to sustain this when I go back? So I was like trying it. But, you know, with the ghee, especially every time I ate it, I just felt so nauseated. And I tried doing on a panchakarma, which is an Indian detox treatment. Every time I drank the ghee, just so disgusted. So I was like, Ayurveda doesn't work for me. And I did paleo. I did SIBO. I did everything you can ever imagine. None of it worked. And eventually I'm like, okay. 
I'm going to try these suggestions, especially the Vata pacifying suggestions, because when I read about Vata, it's literally the story of my life. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the mental stuff, the insomnia, confusion, not knowing what I'm doing in my life, anxiety, all of these are related to Vata. But I'm going to make it plant-based and I'm going to make it modern and I'm going to question everything about it. So I signed up for Ayurveda school. I ended up living in India studying Ayurveda for two years and I instantly received the download that I need to write a book that modernizes it. So started writing, you know, 100 pages, 500 pages, 1,000 pages, 2,000 pages of material. And I was like, okay, um, this needs to be a book that is on shelves of Barnes and Nobles. And I had never met an author before. I didn't even know like what, how do you get a book there? It was so out of, seemed out of reach, but I knew deep inside that I needed to do this. And at this time, at this point, my family's like, you are crazy. Like get a job, like come back home. Like, I don't know what you're doing. You, no one even knows what Ayurveda is. And you think you're going to write a book about it? Like, no, but Basically ended up writing about it, paid to get it graphic designed and edited and everything. Finally found a literary agent and it got rejected from 30 different publishers. And they were basically like, no one cares about Ayurveda and no one cares about your story. And this is, sorry, it's not going to happen. But I kept going and I kept persisting. And magically, the person... I didn't call my book The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. It's actually the official Idiot's Guide. So the people who are of the Idiot's Guide group, you know, there's Idiot's Guide yes. to Gardening and Mowing Your Lawn and this and that. So they the brilliant were looking, idiots. Right. So they were looking for someone to write an Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And they had someone who quit four months in because it's like, a lot of work and no guidance. And they happened to call my literary agent after all the publishers rejected me. And we're basically like, hey, we're looking for someone. And she told them about me. They're like, I don't know. She's too young. We don't think she's a right fit. She's like, okay, well, let me just put you in touch. So they were like, if you were to write the table of contents, what would be in it? And you have one week to do it. And that was when I straight up channeled the guides, channeled Saraswati, especially who is main guide in my life. And I wrote the entire table of contents for a 400 page book. And table of contents, not just the chapters, it's down to the paragraph. And I wrote that in one day. And then they were like, okay, um, what would you write if it was the first chapter? You have one week. Again, channeled source, wrote that back in a day. And two days later, I was hired to write, you know, the textbook of Ayurveda and I'm like 24 years old. So I'm like, okay, um, I have two months to write this massive book. And on top of that, I can't repeat a single sentence of the book that I wrote before because it's copyright stuff. And I was still trying to really get that book published. I'm like, okay, now I'm in a really tough situation because I've written a book about Ayurveda and I can't repeat myself. How many ways can I explain the same thing without repeating myself? But that was exactly the lesson that I needed to get deeper. And through writing that book, I realized that the food matters, but it's so much more. And it's the spirituality and it's it's the koshas, the layers outside of your body and how everything that was going on in my body was really a deeper reflection of me not following my dharma, my life path. And that just like zoomed me into experience the true essence of Ayurveda and seeing it for this living, breathing science that is always changing, always moving, always shaping and shifting. And if you think that Ayurveda is one way or one look, you're, you're missing the point. 
So wrote that book, became the best-selling Ayurveda book in the world, have another book coming out in October, met Deepak Chopra, walked up to him at a stadium and basically introduced myself. And then he's like, what's your number? I'm going to call you tomorrow. Met up with him. <laughs> Great, literally craziness ensued. But I'm sharing this because when you finally make that switch, when you finally own your story and you're like, listen, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whether it's being rejected by my family, my friends, society, having no money, whatever it is to follow my dharma. When you say yes, you fall into Kriya, which is the state of effortless flow when doors just open to you. And it's almost like you're like on one of those things at the airport that are like the conveyor belts that are moving fast. And you're just like, it's like, you're not, you're just taking a backseat passenger seat to your own life. And you're obviously working and moving, but that, and I remember asking Deepak, I was like, things are moving really fast right now. Is this normal? And he's like, if this isn't happening to you all the time, then that's not normal. And I was like, whoa, like this, this opened a new paradigm to me of how life is meant to live. Synchronicities are everywhere. If you are not experiencing synchronicities on a daily basis, you are not on the right path. Yeah. So that's essentially how I got here. And that is so much of the essence that I teach. Ayurveda is a tool, but really everything that we're doing is to raise consciousness. Oh, Sahara. Wow. <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel that you're not only so passionate about Ayurveda, but towards that ending point when you were going off about people, you need to experience this vibration of Kriya and live your Dharma. I can feel your passion for helping the listeners right now that you don't even know. You want to help people really live their truth and their Dharma and fully embody their power. It's beyond Ayurveda for you. I'm like mind blown right now. So you really are helping people wake up to their own magic all the time. There's so many nuggets in there too I want to take out, such as you're channeling for Swaraswati. What? Wow. I want to take all that in and I want everyone to take that in a moment before I ask about the doshas. This episode is made possible by the amazing, convenient, life-saving, and life-changing Everly Well. I dread, seriously dread going to the doctor. It has been almost a year, actually a little over a year since I've been to the doctor. And my mom's not going to be happy that I shared that on this episode, but anyways, I recently have been experiencing unknown inflammation in my body and I know that I need to get tested for something in some way and I was doing some research and was finally led to Everly Well. So I contacted Everly Well and I'm really excited to try out Everly Well that I needed to share this with you especially if you are somebody that dreads visiting the doctor too. So get this, Everly Well is an at-home health testing company that offers a variety of tests ranging from food sensitivity to metabolism to a thyroid test. And the tests are private, simple, and all processed through certified labs. And all you have to do is head to everlywell.com, choose your tests, and they'll be shipped directly to your doorstep. Then once you complete your sample collection, you just send it on back and they'll process your sample and they'll send it back to you via their online secure platform within just five days. So I had Everlywell shipped to my parents in Utah 
and then my parents shipped to me here in London and my samples are here and I'm about to get tested for vitamin D, inflammation, and food sensitivity. And I'll keep you all updated on my food allergies and sensitivities. And I think it'd be really cool if we did this together, whether you want to share it on the Facebook group, your results or not, that could be personal. Let's still just do this together. So head to everlywell.com and use the code MAGIC, M-A-G-I-C, to take 15% off your order. And I'll put that in the show notes. That's everlywell.com, offer code MAGIC for 15% off. And I love their little slogan. It's so cute. So I'm just going to say it. Your test, your time, your terms. P.S. Does my voice sound a little nasally? Yeah. Allergies. Yeah. I mean, you know, I sometimes I think the universe assigned me Ayurveda. They're like, let's assign her the most random topic that no one's heard of, because if she's <laughs> able to make this thing happen, then what is that a testament of you can make anything happen? For so, me, Ayurveda is just, you know, a, a stepping stone. It's one way. It's one tool. It's one entry point. And for some people that could look like Reiki, for some people that could look like shamanism, it can look like anything. But all it comes down to is you realizing that you were brought here for a specific purpose and everything that has happened to you has been a lesson for you to take that step towards your dharma. And when you can leave the victimhood, the blame mentality, the my parents didn't let me do this, and instead you thank every single opportunity and obstacle that you have faced from giving you the strength that you need to fully step up into your power then life changes. Oh, that's everything. Owning your story and presenting it to the world. Everything shifts, everything changes. And then you start rolling on this course that you know, feel your soul is like, yes, you feel like you were called to do whatever you're doing. It's the best feeling. And I love how you're expressing this and how you articulated it. Wow. That was beautiful. Anyways, it's time to break down the doshas, I believe. Well, let's get into it. So are you familiar with the doshas at all? A little bit? The vata, the pitta, the the kapha, yeah, a little bit. Okay, so vata, pitta, kapha. When I say vata, think air. So people, you can say it out loud. Vata, air. When I say pitta, think fire. Pitta, fire. And when I say kapha, think earth. Kapha, earth. Mm -hmm. So... These are the three main dosha, the word dosha meaning energy. If we really break them down, vata is both air and space, pitta is both fire and water, and kapha is both earth and water. But what they are mostly, two-thirds, is air, fire, earth. So you can just think of those. Now, we are all a combination of all three of the doshas, but we were each born with a unique deck of cards, and that is your your genetics, your DNA, why you have brown hair and this person has blue eyes and that person has this type of personality. And if you have kids, you know, they are raised the same way, twins, and they have different personalities. So this is all part of their doshic constitution, their doshic makeup, which in Sanskrit is called your prakriti. So we have a unique combination of all three, but sometimes life happens. We move a certain to a certain place, live a certain life, eat a certain way, and we can get imbalances of another dosha. So when I speak of the doshas, people automatically try to categorize themselves into just one, and then they get confused if they don't relate to just one. And you're not going to because one, you're all three, and two, they're changing all the time. Yeah. So when I explain them 
to figure out what your prakriti is, natural born constitution, think of what you were like like as a kid or most of your life? What are your longer term tendencies? And think of your vikriti, what's going on now, then you can just think of what's going on in the immediate. Your vikriti? So, vikriti, yeah. So vikriti is what's going on now. Prakriti okay. is what you were born with. Uh, yeah. Okay. So vata is air. So if I was like, Raquel, I'm dating this guy who's super airy. What do you think that guy's mm-hmm. like? A little aloof, a little flowy all over the place. He might even jump from girl to girl, not realizing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. What do you think he does for work? Oh, he probably changes his job all the time, floats around. He might not even really have mm-hmm. a great sense of direction where he wants to go. Right. He's like making a documentary and like a shoe company and like <laughs> yeah. creating this and like, but like really creative, right? Yeah. Oh, so what creative. do you think he looks like? Very thin, probably. I I I feel like when it comes to the doshas, though, it's isn't it a range of looks and people, except for like the certain body structure. Yes, but when you just think of that that airy guy, what come the thinness comes to your mind just with the first thing. Yeah, actually, thinness. But you know what? Blonde hair. <laughs> Blonde hair. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Lighter that was skin. A really, okay. Perfect. So that was a really good description of what Vata looks like. And it's amazing because we have the languaging for it and we just don't know. So Vata, in your mind, you have a lot of air. So that's going to make you really creative, artistic, eccentric. You see big picture things like and human design, I know you love human design too. It's like that projector. That's a very Vata thing. They're kind of the bird mm-hmm. who's above and looking at things from this outside perspective, but they may not be as strong in implementation and action. They are a better ideas person. So eccentric, creative, quick moving. It's like the wind. You can never predict which way the wind is going to go. It's moving every which way. And that is what Vata nature is like, erratic, Um sometimes, sometimes really, you know, they're super there and super present. And then sometimes they're, you're never going to see them and they don't text you back for three months. <laughs> that is Vata right there. So when you have all of these thoughts and all of this creativity in your mind, eventually your thoughts can turn into a tornado if you don't ground yourself. And that is the shadow side of the Vata. It is anxiety. It is insomnia. It is confusion. It is not being able to stick to one task. It is that friend that every time you talk to them, they have a new life path and a new this and a new that, a new boyfriend, always moving, always changing, new color hair. That's all Vata. And that can be healthy if you are still grounded and it's, you know, helping you achieve your goals, but it can also be unhealthy because sometimes we use this excuse of just constantly changing because we're afraid to do the work. Yeah. So that is kind of the shadow side of Vata. And that is the dosha that I have been the highest in. So I I really know what it's like, guys. And when you have a lot of Vata in your body, you have a lot of air. So what do you think having air in your like stomach. What do you think that's like? Gas and bloating and a lot of discomfort. So exactly. So when you think of air in your stomach, you think of gassiness, bloating. And also if your colon is airy, dry, and cold, you're going to be constipated. So gas, bloating, constipation, IBS-C, these are all Vata symptoms. Vatas tend to have really 
low digestive fires because in Ayurveda, your digestion is a fire. So imagine if there's like wind blowing into that fire all the time, the digestive fire is going to be low. So they often have digestive issues. And when you're not digesting food, that leads to a variety of other issues such as low hormones. Um, You know, estrogen is stored in body fat. If you don't have enough body fat, you're not going to have enough estrogen to menstruate. So Mm -hmm. amenorrhea, like spaced apart periods, dark red blood in your in your period these are all signs of vata feeling cold all the time having dry skin dry hair dry nails cuticles calluses dry cracking bones getting injured all the time these are all signs of vata so we can naturally be more vata the people who are naturally born vata probably have that lankier type of body. I think of Steve Jobs. He's a great example of a Vata. He was very like lanky, creative, eccentric, but we also know that he was not the easiest person to work with and sometimes let his visions take the most of him and use other people for implementation. He didn't credit them. So he had a lot of the great side of the Vata, but also the shadow side. And we also know that he was a raw vegan and Vatas are really drawn to raw veganism because raw foods make you feel really light and airy. And, you know, when you fast, you can sometimes feel more connected with source. But with vatas, what they need is to ground down. They need to connect more to earth, to the root chakra, to their bodies. So if they're eating raw foods all the time and they're already like freaking astral projecting, that's not what they need. And then they become those people who you talk to them and you can just tell they're not listening. They're not present. They're not paying attention. Yeah. They lose their sexuality. You know, they, mm-hmm. they oftentimes for women, it's vaginal dryness. For men, it's uh, sex, sexual erectile dysfunction because you're out of your body. And, you know, sex is, is sacral chakra. It's something that's so primal and juicy. But when you're super vata, you're like super in your head. So For vatas, they need to ground it, balance it, and bring it down. And I'll give specifics when I talk about the doshas. So people listening think, are you a vata? Do you know someone who's a vata? Does this relate to you? Have you ever been like this? Is this something totally foreign? Many listeners can relate to this vata type. Mm -hmm. Well, also, I've noticed just through being in this for the past seven years, most health conscious women have vata imbalances and the and the reason why is because the foods that have been deemed as health foods such as salads and smoothies kale chips granola bars these are all vata increasing foods they're going to increase our vata so when you're trying to be really healthy you wake up you have your green juice and you have your green smoothie with all these frozen vegetables and frozen fruit and vegetables and then you eat your salad and think like when is the last time you ate something that's actually warm and for a lot of us Mm -hmm. that has actually maybe been months and sometimes we even eat food just right out of the fridge because we don't want to reheat it we don't want to use a microwave like i totally get it but when you're eating cold food all the time your digestifier is going to be cold and when your digestifier is cold you're not digesting food and all of these other imbalances will begin to cycle so not not saying no one can be raw but someone who thrives as a raw vegan has a very high pitta, which is the next dosha fire. Oh, and they yeah. actually need they actually need and crave these raw foods because they are so fiery. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. so if I was like I have this friend who's just super fiery, what do you think that friend is like? 
Ooh, she's got some, well, fire in her where if she is angry, she is not shy to show it. She will just speak her mind. She stands her ground. She's empowered. And she also is a force of nature. She likes to grab life by the horns. That's what I picture. Mm, That's beautiful. Yes. That's totally what Pitta's like. So Pitta, fire, they are ambitious, goal-oriented, achievement-oriented. They like to get things done. They don't like to wishy-wash and think about it. They're like, okay, are we going to do it? Let's go. They are natural-born leaders and managers, lawyers, CEOs, that type of personality. Um, they're naturally very, tend to be athletic. They tend to be a little competitive in everything that they do because it's that heat and that fire. And pittas are very sensitive to time. They always know what time it is. You can ask a pitta any time of day, what time is it? They're, they're going to know like within the 15 minute. <laughs> they have a very strong sense of time. So for them, time is of the essence. So when they are in a conversation, they want to get to the point. You know, mm-hmm. they are the friend that you want to hang out with them. And they're like, I'm available February 3rd at 2.23 to 4.56. <laughs> and then they send you like a Google Cal to remind you. And then like a 48-hour reminder and then 24-hour reminder. And like, you know, and then if you cancel on them, oh my God, it's like the end of both of your lives. Because when you are so scheduled, you're so hyper-organized and the other person doesn't respect that as much as you do, you feel personally attacked and you feel like this person doesn't respect me as an individual because you don't see that other people don't have such a strong sense of time that you have. Obviously, the two of us are not pitta because we <laughs> canceled and rescheduled this like oh a gosh. million times. If they only knew how many we've, this was supposed to happen probably like three months ago. <laughs> right. But if I were a true pitta, I would have bit in your head off and been like, I hate you, you know, if I had the the Pitta imbalance. So Pitta, the great thing about them is they're very good at implementation and strategy and they get things done. They're like that boss personality. But the other side is that fire can turn into a volcano and it can erupt and they can snap at people and get angry and impatient and aggravated and aggressive. And sometimes just anger just comes out of them and then they don't even know where it came from. So that's what happens when it's unleashed. Um, So I like to think of, you know, a balanced Pitta. You could look at Jennifer Lopez. She is fiery, fierce. She's in her 40s, killing it harder than ever before. Like she, you know, I don't know her personally. I wish I did. But you can tell she's just like, she's 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 amazing. She's a Leo. Like she's like, okay, bada boom, bada bing. This is how it's going to be done. And she's like center stage. She's doing it. You can also see she's very athletic, great dancer, amazing body. Madonna, great example of a Pitta also, super just muscular and hardworking. Jennifer Aniston is also very, very Pitta. Uh-huh. Beyonce. Beyonce is not a... Oh, she's, she's not, Kaffa. Yeah, because she's, she's Kaffa. Kaffa. We'll get yeah. into that. We'll get into that. She has a lot of Pitta in her, but her yeah. natural born constitution, you can tell she is Earth. Earth goddess, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, and then JLo has some of that earth to her, but I think she's way more run by her fire. Uh, so then the imbalance of Pitta looks like Donald Trump. He is a great oh. example. So he is 
obviously very aggressive, very in his ego, very us first them. You know, he didn't even go to the White House correspondent dinner because he like can't take a joke. And also we can see <laughs> physically that he has a lot of redness in his skin. He has inflammation in his body. You, He obviously has heartburn and hyperacidity. I think we should all send him cilantro, coconut water, <laughs> leafy greens. We need to cool him down. And he also dyed his hair orange because he really wants us to know he's a pitta. <laughs> Wow. Like, yeah. I, like, I am fiery. He is fiery. So that makes sense. But at the same time, whether you like him or not, he's an amazing manifester. You know, this guy believed in himself oh, and yeah. with no credentials to be president, manifested becoming president because he believed in himself so hardcore. And he's obviously a strong business person. He's good at creating wealth. He's good at delegating and managing people. And these are all strengths of the pit does. So oh, he my. has... Yeah, so he has used his strengths to get him to where he is, but he has not balanced them out with the other two doshas that now he's being overruled by them. And now they're the gaping hole in his pocket that are leading to his impeachment. Yeah. Oh, you just made me realize that pitas, they are wonderful, if not the greatest manifestors. The pitas that I know are, they manifest whatever they end up desiring because their worth is so aligned with whatever they desire because they are just so tapped into their power and they're fired up to make it happen. That makes so much sense. Yeah. They're very strong manifestors because they are action takers, you know? So the Vata will make the vision board and write in their journal and then like meditate (laughs) on it, but then they don't actually go and do it. You know, it's like, I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to be an author every day, writing that in your journal and putting it on your vision board, but you haven't started writing the book. And I, mm. I would so like that too. So I, I get it. And I had to really do a lot of work to move out of it. So yeah. that's what the Vatas would be like. The Pittas are, they just have an idea. They're like, okay, we're going to do this. Boom. And yeah. the reason why it can come off as, as manifesting is just because they are taking, you know, my next book is about Ayurveda and entrepreneurship, but basically the Pitta is the transformation. It's taking the idea and birthing it into the world. So they're very good action takers. And that's what brings your idea into fruition. So physically, they feel heated. Um, If you feel like you need the AC on all the time, you're sweating a lot, your sweat has a strong smell, you have redness, rosacea, rashes, acne, inflammation, heartburn, literally your heart is burning, which is pitta. All of these are related to a pitta imbalance. And some of us are naturally more pitta. You can even tell, I mean, I can geek out about this forever, but the shape of the face, pittas have more angular faces naturally. You can be overweight and not be able to tell. They're just naturally more like athletic and angular looking, bringing back Madonna or Jennifer Aniston Mm. as an example of that. Yeah. Whereas Vatas tend to look a little bit more lanky, such as a Natalie Portman or Steve Jobs, Ashton Kutcher, that type of person. So then we go into the kapha. And the kapha person is connected to earth. So if I was like, Raquel, I have this friend who's really earthy. Mm, What do you think she's like? She is grounded and connected with the ways of nature. She is the mama bear that you want to go to in order to get the answer that you feel you are searching for and you trust her, you fully trust her because she's fully present with you. Yes, yes, right on. I do feel like she could easily be, can be a little sad too, a little lonely. 
Exactly, exactly right. So kapha is that energy that you just said so beautifully. It is peaceful, calm, grounded. It holds space. Mm, holds space, but, yes. Raquel, have you ever had anyone on your podcast that talks a little bit like this? <laughs> Not going to lie. Sometimes Ellie and I do. <laughs> Is that but you yeah. sometimes? When we get into it, we'll talk like that. But um, yeah. Do you, do you guys stare into each other's eyes for mm-hmm. a really long time? Mm-hmm. Hug, mm-hmm. For, hug for a good seven minutes heart to heart? <laughs> Absolutely. Or third eye to third eye, whatever. But yes. So that's your that's your coffee you're channeling. So that oh, yeah. is, you know. So for some people, they're like, oh my God, that's so annoying. Talk <laughs> faster. But for you, you're like, yeah, I oh. love that. So that is you, like full on you have a lot of kapha going on too yeah i definitely so do know is that nourishing grounding energy it is earth think of the earth the earth provides it provides resources oil gas anything you need the earth gives and kaphas they love to give they have so much in their heart they love to make people around them happy and feel special and feel loved and laugh they are oprah energy you know oprah's oh. like you got a car you got a car everyone gets a car it's just so giving and why do we love oprah because she sits and listens and doesn't judge you doesn't tell you what to do mm-hmm. She just sits and holds that space. Mm-hmm. And that's her superpower. Yeah. So that is a really good example of, of kapha. So kapha is earth. It is giving, loving. But what happens when you sit and you hold space for that friend who's <laughs> telling you all their problems, and then the next time they're telling you all your problems, and the next time more problem, more problems, What? how do you end up feeling about hanging out with that friend? Oh, they're like your energy vampires sucking all your energy away. And so I could picture that person just only doing slow, slow strolls, not really that active and wanting to just relax and chill because so much energy has been taken away from them, they feel. Exactly. So kaphas feel like if they speak what's going on inside of them, that no one will be there to support them. Oh my and really the deeper reason why they are sitting and holding that space and listening without adding is they feel like they won't be loved if they don't continue doing that. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. It's, you know, it's like they get their self-worth from being that loyal friend who's always there for everyone. But what does it look like when you choose yourself? <laughs> and when Kafa, when you're Earth, Earth is slow moving. So it's very hard for them to implement changes. You know, like Avata's like, oh, I'm changing every day. And Apitta's like, okay, this is going to work. Let's go. And Kafa is stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. They are longing for, you know, I used to be like this, or what's my ex-boyfriend doing? Or I should have done this. Stuck in the past, slow moving. So, you know, their their slowness can make them peaceful, calm, grounded, loyal, but it can also make them resistant to change, resistant to what's good for them and unable to speak their truth. Kapha is located in the throat chakra. So anything related to sinus issues, mucus, allergies, hypothyroidism are all related to excess kapha. So to heal kapha, you have to speak your truth. You have to do, and to heal any dosha, you have to increase the ones that you are lacking in. So for kaphas, when you feel stuck physically, mentally, emotionally, you feel stuck in your body and you take on energy in the form of fat 
we store on energy somatically. So they end up gaining weight, especially in the hips and the thighs. You know, that curvy, like Kim Kardashian is an example of a kapha. She's obviously mm-hmm. not overweight, but that's you know, her lifelong issues, she's always trying, her sisters get to be so skinny and it's so much harder for her because she has that cough up. Beyonce, mm-hmm. again, that cough up. Beyonce, like when you watch her home vids, if you ever do like me, um, she's like, mm-hmm. just her voice, oh, yeah. it's so earthy, it's so present, it's so there. And she even says herself, when she's on stage, she's not Beyonce, she's Sasha Fierce. It's a whole other mm-hmm. character that she has chosen for herself. It's a Pitta character, but her and her truth is this earthy Kafa earth mama and a lot of women like doula type women and women who work with earth medicine shamanism very much Kafa in their nature because they have that grounded you know when shit hits the fan the Kafa is the one who's like okay we got this let's move forward and though Kafas are slowest they have the most endurance and let me just also add that in India, they say you should always marry a kapha <laughs> because um, kaphas, one, age really well. They don't have too oily skin, too dry skin. They tend to have really nice skin. They don't get wrinkles. Having that extra bit of fat in your face can help prevent you from wrinkles. They tend to oh. have thick hair, shiny eyes, um, full lips. And also, they hold space for you. So the reason why in India they want to marry Kafa is because she's going to take care of everyone in the family and be there for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. So I think of, you know... The grand, the even the mom. If you ever had Thanksgiving dinner and your mom likes to cook, what ends up happening oftentimes is the mom is going to like three grocery stores and doing all this prep work like two days in advance and is like sweating trying to make this dinner happen for everyone. Then everyone arrives, she's like so nervous, just making sure everything's okay. And then it's time to take a picture, and she doesn't want to be in the picture because she hasn't showered and she hasn't put on makeup and she hasn't in her hair and she doesn't feel pretty. And this is the epitome of the kapha. They are so busy making sure everyone else around them is okay that they don't end up fully living their lives and they end up missing out on a lot of things. So Robin Williams is a great example of this. Robin Williams was making America laugh and we had no idea that he was clinically depressed. And he also has a kapha face, kapha body, textbook kapha right there. So when you know about these doshas and why I share them is because it's like I just gave you this pair of glasses to look at life in a new way. And now everything is going to make more sense. You're going to see patterns and things in yourself, in personality types, in jobs, in love, in everything. These doshas are not just food. They are energies that exist in everyone and everything. And when you're able to observe the patterns, then you're able to take the action steps to heal it. Oh, yes. I'm so glad that you shared this. In fact, my short dosha story just flashed in my mind. Um, Wow. I realized after you're talking about this, I definitely can swing to the extremes of every spectrum between vata and kapha. For example, I was also once 88 pounds like you. um, I didn't get my hormone levels tested. I didn't have my period and I was experiencing very similar symptoms. Um, And I was feeling extra cold all the time. And I was so hyper-focused on my future, but floating around, floating around the world. I was truly traveling the world all by myself, floating with no direction. And finally, um, I did land in India where I met up with Ali. And our our master, he was an Ayurvedic doctor, and he... um, 
He pointed at me and he said, Vata, epitome of Vata. He could just tell. At this time, I wasn't 88 pounds anymore. I was probably like 110. I was still really small. Um, but uh, And Allie just laughed because we had talked about it earlier and she prescribed me the dosha of Vata before he even said anything. And I knew that deep down too because I indeed just flow with the way I just flowed with that Vata way for so long with my free spirit and no direction. But then more recently, as I've gotten more clear with my direction and I've been grounding in this practice, um, many different spiritual practices and finding myself, I realized that I, I realized that I'm becoming a little more of a Kapha mama now. Um, more calm and collected and grounded in my mind and body. And it does, it feels so good and it feels so right, but I can feel I'm experiencing a lot of changes if I'm being completely blunt where I notice that this kapha is coming into my mind and in my body. And wow, it's just so interesting to be changing and evolving to the extreme of something that's completely different than what I was used to. And I was also for a while, I'm more present now, but for a while I was so sad and hyper-focused on the past and missing that Vata girl. It's so interesting. (laughs) Wow, such parallels. Um, Amazing. And I think for a lot of listeners, they're nodding along and being like, Yes, this is exactly what is happening to me. And, you know, a lot of it with the Vata, and we can really talk about this, is when you are on a spiritual path, it can feel really good to feel sort of light and airy and out of your body. And sometimes when I remember when I would eat a big meal, I felt so heavy and grounded and I, you know, I couldn't like write and meditate and ecstatic dance and all of these things that I wanted to do. So I would just kind of try to prolong like, okay, I'm just going to eat an apple. Now I'm going to drink a drink green juice, just like, because I wanted to feel this high. But when you are just stuck in the Vata, you are not taking these amazing ideas out into the world. So, you know, for some of us, then we move into that Kapha. Yeah. And then the Kapha helps you reevaluate. The Kapha is the stage of reevaluation and asking questions and is this the direction I still want to be going and taking a step back. And then the Pitta is the stage of the implementation. So in the book that I'm writing now on like Ayurvedic entrepreneurship, it's Vata brainstorming, Pitta action, Kapha reevaluation. And we are all kind of naturally inclined to one of the things, maybe you're more of the creative type, maybe you're more of the go-getter type, or maybe you're more of the like one-on-one customer service, human resources type. And knowing that and accepting yourself and saying like, yes, this is who I am and I don't have to look like this or have a career like that. It's just using your own superpower. And that is why you were given your dosha constitution as a gift. Oh, It is a gift, especially to know then you can really harness this superpower. That is beautiful. Wow. So I'm sure people are like, how in the world do I find out which dosha I am? Yeah. So I have a test that they can just take on my website that will break it down between your mind and your body. It's just IamSaharaRose.com. So I recommend taking that, but essentially you look at what I just described and what, what are the ones that you resonate the most with? Maybe it's one in the body, one in the mind. That was one of the struggles I had when I started learning about Ayurveda. I was like, I don't really know. Cause I kind of have this like 
you know, at a certain point, I had a lot more of a pit of mind, but I still had the vata going on in my body. So I'm like, I don't really know which dosha I am. So I always say, follow the lifestyle suggestions for the mind and follow the dietary suggestions for the Mm, body. That's brilliant. Um, Yeah. So what that could look like, let's say you have the bloating gas constipation in your body, but in your mind, maybe you're really like achievement oriented and focused and a go-getter, but you're still dealing with that in your body. So in the mind, eat the warming, grounding root vegetables, things that are going to balance your vata. And I outlined like specifics in, in my book, but essentially you want to ground your body. But then in the mind, since your mind may be a little bit competitive, that's when you practice the letting go and the trust and the surrender and connecting with water, even just like taking a shower, taking a bath, walking by the water. But you don't have to eat a pitta diet because you don't have this redness and inflammation in your system. You have the opposite. So lifestyle, mind, and um, body diet. So for a pitta diet, that looks like cooling, hydrating. Pitta's... Ayurveda doesn't recommend raw foods in general. Mm -hmm. I believe that raw foods can become a healthy part of your diet. It just depends on where you live. In India, raw foods are not a part of anyone's diet because I did a lot of research on this. There are single cell amoebas in the soil, which make it dangerous to digest, which is why when you go to India, you don't eat raw foods. I got so sick when I ate raw there. Yeah. Exactly. So in India, you're not supposed to eat raw foods. So that's why they said don't eat raw foods. Also, there were no refrigerators Mm -hmm. back then. So they didn't want food to spoil. If it was cooked, they were killing a lot of the bacteria in it. But if you live in a place, let's say you live in like California, where there can be great raw foods or Costa Rica or something like that, I think eat raw foods. Ayurveda would never recommend to do 100% raw. Neither would I personally. But I think you can implement some raw foods, but also eat cooked foods, but again, your discretion. Um, And then for kaffas, that would look like stimulating food. So stimulating would look like stuff with a lot of spices, things that are going to get your digestive fire going. So not just spicy, I'm talking like cumin, turmeric, ginger, asafoetida, all of these spices like that you would look in a chai mix or an Indian store, throw those spices on everything. And for kaffas, they want to stick to like steamed foods because if they eat a lot of raw, it's still too hard for them to digest. So something like steamed, like steamed vegetables with some quinoa and like a veggie burger, whatever, whatever they want. But lightly cooked foods are good for kaffa. Cooked foods are good for vata. Pittas can eat raw foods or they can do a combination. Oh, and I was going to ask you all about this. So yes, that's brilliant. So everybody, if you want to take a dosha test, I highly recommend Sahara's because it's not only the most elaborate dosha mind-body test. I think it's the only mind-body type test that I've ever taken. But as far as doshas is concerned, it's completely resonated with me because you broke down the percentages of not only the dosha's body, but also my mind. And so that's good. And then we can know what type of diet might better suit our body type. And no matter what your body type is, whether you hold weight in your hips and thighs, which is beautiful and powerful, like hi, you did give the examples of Kim Kardashian and Beyonce, who I think are some of the most beautiful women on earth. Or if you're Vata and you realize that, you know, it's hard for you to maybe gain weight, um, which is also you have a beautiful body type too, but you'll know what your body type is obviously before you take the test, but then you'll be able to really get a great breakdown if you go check out Sahara's site. So I highly recommend that. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. Oh, 
I also have, because you had this mind-blowing story that I heard recently in one of your recent podcasts, you shared a story where you witness Pitta rage during a yoga teacher training. And I found it fascinating. It took away so much from it, from the value of not judging others, but having compassion during those, like watching, observing somebody experience rage and letting them have that experience and letting people unleash what they have suppressed, some whatever childhood trauma they have suppressed, and the power of breath. Everything in that story uh, is like, Come or is a collection of what we have been preaching on this podcast. And so I would love for the soul tribers to hear it because it's a story that can bring light to something we all can improve on and discern from our own lens. So would you mind sharing the story? Yeah, I mean, I actually totally forgot I had talked about that on my podcast. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you I were in flow. You were being channeled. I feel it. <laughs> Yeah. So this actually happened during my shamanic um, facilitator training. It was five elements shamanic with Malika Darville. She's amazing. And it was in Bali. So about three, no, four years ago. And, you know, in this training, a lot comes up. We're working with shamanism here. Mm -hmm. And there was this woman who came from Germany who was very like stuck in her ways and very skeptical about being there. And by the second day, you know, we're doing all of this like dancing and showing yourself. And she just started screaming. So at first we were like, is this her like releasing? But she starts screaming at our teacher at Malika. And she's like, am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, podcast? absolutely. Okay. She's like, you are full of shit. You are fucking lying to all of us. This training is bullshit. You don't even know what you're teaching. I did, I thought we were going to come here and dance and you're wasting my time with all this stuff. You're full of shit. You don't know what you're doing. Wow. Like just screaming at her and, and, and attacking Malika. So we were all just like, uh, and I was curious, is she going to be like, you know what? Like calm down, take a breath, take a walk or something. But she just stood there looking her in the eye and nodded and said, okay, and now breathe. And she's like, stop telling me to fucking breathe. I'm, this is not This is not a practice. I'm telling you the truth. I want to leave. I want my money back. Get me out of here. And just collapses on the floor, screaming and crying. This is a 40-something-year-old woman like a two-year-old child. And she's like, I fucking hate you. I hate you. And Malika's like, just keep breathing. Keep breathing through it. And we were just like, what the hell is going on? Like she, Malika just stood in her power and she's an earth mama, stood in her power. And this woman from that screaming rage state turned into a sob that quickly turned into the kind of sob that your heart opens and you just want to mm -hmm. hug her. And you could tell that she was just so wounded deeply the inner child within that never got to express herself and just being taken out of her comfort zone, especially in German culture was something that she had never done before. And, but what Malika did instead of trying to talk to her person to person or take her to take a walk, which is what most of us would do. The fact that she stood there, hold the space and said, just breathe. And as this woman is now sobbing on the floor, Malika's like, no one touch her. Just now stand around her. And we and we all for an hour just stood there and deeply breathed. And through that breath, seeing us breathing, she started to breathe and we changed her name. Malika gave her a new name that day. Her name became Ananda, which means bliss. And she became the most loving, the most compassionate, like 
a different human. And it was truly like the shadow beings and the wounded child and all of these things that she was holding onto that were not her, that were screaming as they were saying goodbye. And the fact that she stood with it and breathed, she allowed her light to shine through. Mm. I want everyone to take in that story and see what resonates. It's so powerful. Hello again, Yomis. It's Raquel with another short interruption to thank one of our most beloved and life-shaping sponsors, Hum Nutrition, who has been with Euromagic and the Soul Tribe since day one. And I can't express my appreciation enough to every single one of you who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We are now on the sixth round of the amazing Hum giveaway, gifting Hum products all around the globe. So not only to those in the United States, also to those in the UK, where I am, Denmark, Australia, wherever you're sitting on Mama Earth, you should definitely consider gifting yourself and your body the many natural vitamins and minerals Hum offers. I am personally in love with their products. And as a lot of you know, I was dealing with a severe belly issue that I brought from Bali and I heard about Hum. So I took their gut instinct and their flatter me tablets to get things running a little more smoothly. And Hum did the trick. So Hum helps you turn your beauty inside out with their pure and potent GMO-free, sustainably sourced products, and many of them vegan. Love that. Also, you need to try their mint chocolate chip infusion and ginger snap raw beauty superfood powders in your blended drinks. Delicious. And Hum is continuing to offer three more of our listeners three months of $150 worth of Hum products for free. Just rate and review our podcast and send a screenshot to info at yourownmagic.life. And then in the meantime, try Hum out as they gift the Soul Tribe 20% off their purchases at humnutrition.com using the promo code MAGIC. That's humnutrition.com promo code MAGIC. Now on with the rest of this magical episode. So Sahara, as a holistic healer, helping so many people with not only their diet, and but their lifestyle and purpose. Let's talk about Dharma and your life purpose. Will you elaborate on what Dharma is in your words and how can the listeners discover what their Dharma is? Mm. So the word Dharma has over 16 meanings, but I like to think of purpose as the essential meaning, the meaning that we're going to be discussing right now. So Dharma, your purpose, your divine calling, the big why, why you're even here. Now, I like to think of your, you were born on this highway and at the end of the highway is your Dharma, your highest self, the mission that you were put on this planet, incarnated at this day and age to fulfill. Now, you're cruising along the direction towards your dharma, and then suddenly someone over here on the right is like, hey, you can make a lot of money selling real estate. So you're like, huh, that sounds cool. And you start <laughs> shifting direction that way. Yeah. And the universe is like, 
tap, tap. No, you're not supposed to be selling real estate. Nope, nope. And you're like, wow, I could be making a lot of money. The tap, tap could look like things going wrong or your phone shutting down or just things that are kind of blocking you, but you're not listening. An example I always use, if I'm trying to post something or do something on Instagram, the app shuts down. Spirit guides are telling me, don't be on your phone. If I'm trying to listen to music and Spotify is not connecting, spirit guides are telling me don't listen to music right now. Mm-hmm. When you notice all of these signs, boom, don't you're fight guided. it. Listen. Exactly. So you start steering that direction. The poke turns into a punch. <laughs> you still don't listen. It turns into like a chair slam. You still don't listen. It turns into a major accident. And what that accident, what that action is, is called karma. We think of karma as what goes around comes around. Karma is a bitch. Really, karma is bounded action by the universe, one of the meanings of it. So when you are not in accordance to your dharma, you start experiencing karma. And the universe is basically, it's the bounded action to bring you back on your path. Now, when you are zipping down that highway, there is no cars, you're on cruise control, you are in effortless flow. Things are opening your way. You end up meeting Deepak Chopra and he calls you the next day. (laughs) Shit like that happens, you know? And that is when you are living in accordance to your dharma. And that flow is called Kriya. So Kriya, effortless flow, karma, bounded action, dharma, the purpose. So a really good assessment that I always have people do at the start of my doshas and dharma program, which is a program I run on how your dosha is connected to your dharma, is what percentage are you living in kriya and what percentage are you living in karma? And a lot of the women on my program are like, I'm 100% in karma and I feel like my life is one disaster to the next. And thank God for that because it is the universe guiding you, telling you, you are feeling really uncomfortable right now because that's not how you're meant to live. So it's just like what Deepak told me. If you are not living in a constant state of flow and serendipity, then something is off. Mm. Wow. And your doshas and dharmas program, that is not open right now, right? Does it reopen soon? Um, Well, we just started. So I don't know when this episode's going to go up. So we're letting people kind of end this week, but I'm going to be running it again next year and people can learn about it on my website and get on the wait list for next year. But it is, I mean, it's just insane because our dharma is something that we know. Like last night on one of the calls, this woman's like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I'm so confused. Nothing's working out for me. I just want to be a doula. I'm like, you just said it. You want to be a doula. And then boom, the sh- it shifted the moment that she just owned that she wants to be a doula. So your dharma does not exist outside of you. It is so within you. It is so connected to your story through everything you've ever experienced. All it takes is really yes. owning it and realizing that all of what has happened to you is for a reason. When you can reclaim that, like even practicing it with a friend, your dharma becomes oh, so Oh, it's evident. so true. And practicing it with a friend, how do you see that? Like, how does that work out? Yeah. So like, for example, in, in this week on the program, I have people with their accountability partner practice telling their story and then the other person listen and then actually give them feedback of this is where you had me and this is where you lost me. I want more of this. This didn't really feel relevant in a loving space because your story is, you know, especially for people listening who want to be an author or a podcaster or influencer, whatever it is you want to be, you need to know how to tell Mm -hmm. your story. And for most of us, we're so attached to it and we're still so in it that it's hard for us to articulate it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, practicing anything, practice telling the story. And we have so many different stories that we could tell. 
So practice telling them in different ways and see what resonates with people and what doesn't and what are the, you know, the themes that you want to pick up on and that you want to tell. What are the things that are relevant to where you I are now? I love that. Choose one of your memoirs or whatever you're experiencing right now. Whatever mess you're experiencing right now, make that your message. And people will most likely resonate with it, but we're all so afraid of sharing our story and fear of not being loved. But once we can share it, we can step into our power, align with the Kriya and really live our purpose, our Dharma. I love that. Yes. That's what it's all about. Isn't life, life so magical? Is magical? You're magical. Oh, you too. Oh, thank you. Um, are you ready for a rapid fire? Yes. Yes. All right. Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or Neapolitan? Um, for what depends ice cream sure whatever you want to make it Mm, maybe chocolate all right ginger or turmeric um turmeric amazing dog or cat person dog ah yes favorite city in the entire world ubud bali oh me too (laughs) yes of course favorite book mmm you know, I have so many books, but I just read this really good book that I loved called Shit Your Ego Says, and mm. I really loved it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to write notes on that. I like that. Shit Your Ego yeah. Says. I love yeah. that. Your mom's dominant dosha. She is Vata. Mm. Is she super airy? Yeah, she's like, I mean, every time I talk to her, she's like, you work too hard. Don't focus on work. And then the other time she's like, why don't you work? And it's like, I don't even know. But it's so great because when you like leave the, you know, and I think everyone should have some sort of like rites of passage of not being your parents' baby anymore, but you know, you're still their child, but you don't have to listen to everything they say. That was like a major thing I had to learn on my path. But whereas before her, like, airiness and changing her mind all the time, I would be like, wait, what am I supposed to be like this? Am I supposed to be like that? Like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like trying to figure out like what she wants. And then I realized, wait, I don't need to do this anymore. I just need to be who I am. And she's going to have to deal. Wow. That just shows how much parents, like it's not only hereditary, but also whatever the environment holds, how much parents and family have an influence on your dosha. Oh, so, so much. So like my mom, we would think of all these ideas and then the next day we'd be like, yeah, none of those ideas are going to work. So I didn't learn any implementation skills. I just learned how to like riff on ideas and then like move on. Wow. So definitely we, we oftentimes pick up on our parents' dosha. And sometimes we rebel. Like my dad, I know he's the most pitta and then my mom is extremely kapha. So I know in my rebellious phase, that's when I became extremely vata. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my dad. And you know, Pitta is also the wounded masculine. My dad was very, very Pitta too, which I talked about on that podcast that you listened to. Mm-hmm. Well, I was speaking about narcissists, and my dad was a narcissist <laughs> growing up. And with that Pitta, it's the wounded masculine because the masculinity is saying you need to be the strongest, the most aggressive, number one on top. And this hurts men because men are denying their. I don't like to say feminine nature because I don't like to add gender roles to the way that humans just are, but I like to say they're more Vata and they're more Kapha nature. So that makes them just become the shadow side of Pitta. Mm, That's interesting to hear. Then I think my dad would definitely be a bit more Kapha. He just has, he has a fiery side, but he's also extremely grounded and not so much of a narcissist. In fact, the exact opposite. Then he's got Kapha going on. Yeah. Kapha is very caring. It's like the dad that will like pick you up from school. Oh yeah. That's him. That's the Kapha. (laughs) Um, All right. Oh, what did you have for breakfast? 
Um, I just had a green juice so far. It's still the morning here. It is. That's right. And I'm about to have yeah. dinner. Um, what will you probably have for lunch? Um, probably like I love making something called a six taste bowl, which I talk about in my book, but it incorporates the six tastes of Ayurveda. So sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. So what that could look like is, for example, sweet potato, sweet, um, salty could be like salt, sea vegetables, sour, lemon, bitter, just different roasted vegetables, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, kale, um, pungent, any sort of like spice, ginger, turmeric, whatever. And astringent is something that has a puckering type of sensation, something that takes in water. So for example, legumes are are astringent. So I'd like to eat like a balanced bowl like that. Oh, I'm so glad that you answered that in that way. I was hoping I would get a very Ayurvedic answer. Yes. So good. And dinner? Mm, for dinner? I don't, or your know, favorite, I don't know. What's your favorite dinner? My favorite, have you ever been to Cafe Gratitude? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like the whole bowl from Cafe Gratitude, which is very Ayurvedic again, but it's like, it's more of a macrobiotic bowl. So it will have like the adzuki beans and the sea vegetables and um, the braised yam. And I just love like having a variety of flavors because when you limit yourself to only one flavor, then you end up craving the others. So yes. let's say you avoid everything sweet then you know i used to like be on pinterest and look at food porn all day <laughs> because i was like i can't eat anything sweet but then i was like fantasizing about like donuts you know yeah. so if you eat something that's naturally sweet like a sweet potato or a beet or grains then you don't crave that so and it's really important I it to get. exactly so instead of calories we think of tastes mm -hmm. eat the six tastes and you'll be balanced oh i love that instead of calories think of taste and just eat the wholesome food and does that apply for mostly kapha and vatas i guess every dosha kind of has their own uh meal plan in a sense to follow yeah, so we can talk more about like this even in another way because it's, it's an interesting conversation. But yes and no, if you are every everyone needs the six tastes, but we may need them in varying amounts. So vatas will need more of sweet, sour, salty. Pittas will need more of sweet bitter and astringent and kaphas will need more bitter pungent and astringent it may sound really confusing i talk about it in the book but we all need all six so what that could look like is let's say we all ate the same bowl for dinner maybe the vata adds more sweet potatoes and more like avocado and more just more fats maybe the pitta adds more leafy green vegetables and you know the legumes because they're hungry. And then let's say the kapha really fills up on the vegetables because they don't need, you know, the extra fat or extra protein. They really just need to like focus on vegetables because that's more light and stimulating. Yeah. So when you live in India, everyone eats the same meal. You know, in India, it's not like everyone gets their own like custom meal, like vata over here, pit over here, kapha over here. <laughs> they eat the same meal, but they just avoid the things that will imbalance any of the doshas. So let's say you have a vata in your family. Don't make a salad for dinner. That's not going to be good for the vata. Let's say you have a pizza in your family. Don't make tomato sauce with garlic and onions. That's going to imbalance the pitta. Let's say you have a cough in your family. Don't make, you know, a flatbread with cheese on top. That's going to imbalance the kapha. So when you just eat in a sattvic way, sattva meaning light and pure, it really becomes tridoshic. And my next cookbook is all tridoshic recipes because I feel like that's the part where people are like, I can't do Ayurveda because how am I going to like prepare for my family or know what I am? It re 
really is a tridoshic thing as long as you avoid what imbalances any of the doshas. I hope everyone took notes. I, again, wish that your book came out like yesterday because I so want to dig into that. We, I think, need to have another conversation on this and dive deeper. This is amazing. Yes, absolutely. Also, I'm so sorry. I'm the worst with rapid fire. I get so into it. Um, All right. Ready? A little more. Just a few more. Mm-hmm. Do animals have doshas? Yes. Of course. Yes. So much so. Like my dog is a very Vata dog, very skinny, spacey. So he's like, when I, when we go on walks, it's like, go faster, faster, faster. And then he like comes home and crashes. He's so Vata. Pittas, you know, those muscular type dogs. They're like the athlete, the like all bred. And then Kaffa dogs are like, you know, the chubby dogs that like don't want to like walk around, um, but they're so cute. You know? Yeah. Pugs are super Kaffa. So cute. Yeah. Um, your favorite yoga style? Um, I like vinyasa yoga, like stuff that allows a lot of creativity and free flow. Again, it's the vata. I'm like, I want to be in like this random pose. Well, I can't stick to what the yoga teacher is saying. Oh my gosh. I know. I feel that. That's why I like to practice at home most of the time. Like an ec- ecstatic ecstatic dance yoga. That would probably be my favorite. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> oh. Yes. Um, Crystal, you're resonating with most right now. Um, I love like aquamarine, I'd say. I love everything blue. I love throat chakra. So anything that's blue, like I do have an aquamarine in front of me right now. I'm just vibing with. I love that. And book you're currently reading, if any. Um, book I'm reading. I was reading this book called Sex, Love, and Dharma recently, which was interesting. Um, It does come from Vedic, very Vedic philosophy, which is, you know, some of the things I don't agree with. We can have a conversation on this, which is very much like the man is the warrior and the woman is the server, which I I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because I love studying ancient texts and just seeing where they came from because there is a lot of magic to it. I just think you have to see it with today's day and age and drop drop the genderification of characteristics. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I want to take notes on that book too. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's say the universe gave you a free billboard to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would the billboard read? Do your dharma. Hell yes. <laughs> Do your dharma. Recently, I had um, yeah. David G on and he said, be here now. And he said, and those, so just three words. And he said, first, be. And then the next sign says here. And then the next sign says now. So you need three billboards. Do your dharma. Yeah. Yeah, and then people are like, what's dharma? <laughs> and then I have to have like, follow the purpose. Oh, that's so great. Um, and our last question that we ask all of our guests, how would you advise the Yom listeners to create their own magic? Mm. Know that your mess is your message and the shittiest things that have ever happened to you or the things that you may be dealing with now are happening for you to learn. And when you can reclaim that, when you can say, oh, wow, this is a spiritual test to help me really embody who I really am, one, the problem goes away, but two, you become such a stronger leader, right? Like no one wants a leader who's like, I've never had a problem my whole life. I'm just perfect. Mm -hmm. Like that ickiness and messiness and stuff you had to deal with is what makes you 
you. So reclaim that. And if you don't know what it is, start journaling about it, start writing about it, start talking to the friend and also take an advice detox too, which is like the other, maybe you don't even need to listen to my advice, but I think the best thing I've ever done in my life was to kind of say, I'm not going to take advice from anyone. I'm going to listen to my own intuition because when you keep on consulting with friends and family members and this and that about what you should do, especially when you're a Vat and you don't know, you end up picking up on a lot of other people's Mm -hmm. fears and limiting beliefs and things that they, you know, I, I, everyone told me you can never become an author because an author is like a starving artist and you will never make it. That was what was echoed to me. Yes, exactly. So, and you know, I would dance between like my own intuition of like, I want to be an author versus like, maybe they're right. I can never make it. Mm. So I say, go on an advice detox of don't text your friend about everything that happened. Don't call your mom about it. Just figure it out on your own because that is the process. Reach mic drop right there. I could not agree more. Be your own inner, listen to that inner guru inside of you. That really is where you will cultivate your own magic. So true. Oh, all right. So everyone, if you are interested, which I'm sure they're all on the edge of their seats right now, and you want to dive in more into your dosha and dharma, head to Sahara's Sahara. Dot com And uh, you must, you must, must, must listen to her podcast, Highest Self. I am obsessed. And also, by the way, I love your intro and outro. It, I love it. It's so captivating and magnetic. I find myself dancing to it as I frolic through the parks in London. It's so great. So, uh, yes, check it out. I know. It's my, my favorite song ever. My friend Manish Damore made it. It's called Silent Ganga. Oh, that is going on my Spotify. And so check out Highest Self. And where else can everyone find you on social media and where can they support you? Yeah. So you can discover your dosha on my quiz at I am Sahara Rose, Sahara like the desert.com. My Instagram is the same. I am Sahara Rose. And my book that is out is called Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. It's going to make it really easy and practical, but also goes really deep. We talk about the chakras and the koshas and the gunas and a lot of other things because dosha is only one small part of Ayurveda. Um, So you'll get a really good understanding of it there. And we can totally do a giveaway also for your listeners too. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much. Okay, cool. So we'll do a giveaway. We'll give away three books and we'll post about it on our Instagrams. I love it. I'll put it on the Facebook group. As you know, I'm on an Instagram hiatus. Um, but all, oh, yes. all the tribe is always on Instagram. They are so active on the Facebook group. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't even keep up. Um, oh, thank you so much. So many nuggets of wisdom. Oh. You're brilliant. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you so much for creating this sacred space and allowing these conversations to happen between you and your guests, but also with all of the listeners who are really sitting here with us energetically. Mm -hmm. And to everyone who's listening, like I so see you wherever you're at in your journey. And it's such a beautiful place because, you know, when you're in that deepest, darkest despair, that's really where the magic happens. Yes, that means the world to hear. Thank you. See, I told you she was brilliant. And on top of that, so generous. How nice for Sahara to give 
three of the soul tribers her book idiot's guide to i your veda i hope i'm finally pronouncing that right anyways to enter just screenshot this podcast and share it on your insta story and tag me at raquel mantra and sahara at i am sahara rose on your insta story and she will select three of you for spelling purposes i will make sure to put this in the show notes and also feel free to share what you liked about this episode too i love you so much we are so grateful you tuned into this podcast and if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and rate us on itunes yes and those of you who leave a rating and review we want to share our gratitude by sending you a special gift just email info at your own and we will send you an exclusive meditation guided by the both of us and make sure to say hi to us on instagram i'm at ali michelle l don't forget the random l at the end <laughs> <laughs> and i'm raquel Mon- Mantra. Thank you and have a magical day.